Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. Our Sunday live stream starts at 10 a.m. at cascadevineyard.org stream or on Facebook at Cascade Vineyard Church. Thanks for tuning in. Anyway, now that I've run on that side tangent, good morning. Cool, nice. Um, thanks for being here. I'm kind of just, I don't know what I'm doing right now. But uh, <laughs> we're still in our series in Ephesians. Um, so uh, if you guys have a Bible or if you don't, I will have slides for you. But if you want to hop in, we are in Ephesians 4. Um, and we're going to pick up. I have, it's Ephesians 4, 2 through 6. For those of you here last week, Glenn taught on exactly one verse as he does. That's our guy. That's our man. So um, I'm going to obviously be weaving that a little bit in just because it it, kind of attaches to the rest of the the passage. But we're going to be looking at Ephesians 4, 2 through 6. Naomi, I think the next slide has most of that. Yeah. Yeah. this is uh we're gonna, we're just gonna read and, and kind of dive right in. I will I will pray and then we'll get going. Jesus, thank you so much uh, that we are together and that um, we have an opportunity to to seek after you as a community, both in worship uh, through music, but also in our expression uh, in, in prayer, in our diving into the text, in our uh, collective um, desire to see more of you in our lives. God, would you reveal yourself to us this morning through the text? Holy Spirit, would you breathe on this morning's text and would you uh, speak life to us? Would you encourage us? Would you convict us? Would you spur us on towards the good works that you set before us? Would you spur us on towards being better to each other, to being better towards um, those around us? to those who don't know you, to those who are far from you, to those who we don't really like, God, would you um, enlarge our hearts this morning through your text? Yeah, we love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the title of my sermon is Unity of the Spirit. That was back there. Uh, Again, I I don't know. I'm kind of in a haze. I don't know what happened. Uh, I was so focused on everything this morning, and now all of a sudden I just feel a little... I don't know, a little weird. But yeah, unity of the spirit. That is our our text this morning, and now we'll just read right through it. Um, Here we go. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That's right. That's an amen from Margo back there. (laughs) Yeah, she's giving out more amens than we hear every year here. 
So uh, some things that immediately stick out in this text. Glenn taught on the very first part. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That's immediately followed by humility, gentleness, and bearing with one another. So I'm, this is my, my bridging from Glenn's message into this one. The worthy, worthy of the calling we've received, the calling we've received starts with being humble, gentle, patient, and bearing with one another. That's kind of how we slide into this next verse. We are called to be these things. So what does that mean? What's that look like? Well, it's been a long time, and I figured I would start our our talk today off with an old throwback. We're going to break for Greek. Yeah. Brogan normally loves these, but he's... It was his birthday yesterday. He's enjoying the weekend to rest and hang out at home. But we're going to break for Greek. So to bear or bear with, I'm not 100% on the enunciation of this. I think it's aniko. Um, and it means to endure, bear with, have patience with, suffer, admit, and persist with. Am I making noise, Elliot? Is my thing crackling a touch? All right. I'll, I'll try and be mindful. I am, aren't I? I'm not touching my face. Okay, all right. I won't touch my face. God, I wiped my nose, I see. Gotcha. My bad. It's been a while. Okay. Endure with bear or suffer with, admit, or persist. This is great. What's this have to do with today's title? Unity of the Spirit. Here's what it has to do with our title. Paul elaborates. Will we go back to that passage for me, Naomi? Paul elaborates. Be completely humble, gentle, patient, bearing with another. Suffer or persist with. Make, the effort, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope. I'm not going to get into all those ones because that's for later. But there's something in here that I think we are missing. And part of why I want to talk about this today and why it's titled Spirit, um, Unity of the Spirit, is if you guys haven't looked around the church culture, but also just in culture in general, we live in a super fractured time. Really, really, really yeah, Margo knows. Uh, we, we live in a time where... There's so much disassociation and wanting to make sure we're not like categorized with certain people. And we as Christians definitely do this. There are certain denominations where it's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm a Christian, but I'm not that kind of Christian. Or, oh yeah, but my, my church believes in this. And, and so we're good because we're not like that church. Or we just won't associate with church because we think there's so, because there is so much negative connotation. It's not that we think there is so much negative connotation with the idea of church in today's culture that we'll just like disassociate from it entirely. Or like, we won't use the word Christian anymore. Like, maybe I'm just speaking for myself. How many of you are like a little hesitant sometimes to be like, yeah, I'm a Christian. If somebody asks like what your religious views are. Yeah, like that's kind of silly. Like, I feel like I have to describe it different now. If I get asked, yeah, I'll say that like I'm a follower of Jesus. Or like I view myself as like a disciple of Jesus because Christianity or like the term Christian has such a negative connotation to it. And so today I'm looking at this passage 
and why I want to talk about the unity within the spirit is because Paul has this really interesting part in verse three, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. This entire passage is not necessarily about how we engage with people who aren't Christians or about our, our witness to the world. Uh, it's more about our discipleship in relationship with one another in the context of how we are within like our relationship to each other. So what's this mean for us? I think here at our church and in the Big C Church, this is an area we need to improve on. And not just in the sense of big C church. I don't want to associate, Oh, you're Pentecostal. Like, you know, Oh, you're Calvinist. Like not just creating a bunch of space between different denominations where there's some theology we disagree with. I mean, like here in our church, we like have an age thing that exists. It's gotten better, but I think most everyone in the room would agree. There's kind of like this weird thing where certain age groups just don't associate. Or one of my favorites, because I've been a part of this conversation, I've had someone tell me this. We get super wrapped up in Enneagram types, love languages, Myers-Briggs tests, that now we've just decided, oh, you're a three? I Nah, we don't get along. Or astrology signs, which I, I don't get me started, but it's a thing. And so it's like, no, Scorpios don't get along with Tauruses or whatever. Like we do this, even as Christians, we do this with whether it be astrology, Enneagram, Myers-Briggs. And so now we are like, we distance ourselves. And then we do it through ageism too. It's just like, well, I'm in my 20s, you're in your 40s, whatever else. I've had someone tell me like, you know, your love language is this and mine's that. So we just don't, you know, we're just not really gonna, we can't really be friends. Like for real, the, the Christians, people who profess to follow Christ. This is a thing that I've had these conversations. I, unfortunately, I've probably used these conversations too. So I'm, I got as much work as anybody else to do. This thing is just falling right off my ear. I got to try and fix that. Um, so I think this is killing me. I think this is an area that our church, am I doing something wrong here? Oh, that's what I was wondering. I was asking about this rubber band. That's better? All right, Elliot for the win. Thank you, Elliot. Yeah, yeah. Tell you, media sound team, every week, it's the reason everything happens. Man, I was really on a roll, and I just lost it. All right, anyway. um, This is an area I think we can improve on, both in how we view big church, the church outside of our four walls and our community and our expression, uh, but also how we do church in our local context among one another. Um, I'm getting a little shaky because I feel like I might bother some people. But uh, I think this is a, um, I get all worked up. It's not because I'm too afraid to say what I want to. It's that I say it too fast and maybe a little wrong. Um, but I think this is our area. This is our chance. So Paul's talking about make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Okay. What's that have to do with anything? Well, if we look at the word spirit in Greek, 
uh, which I did not break for on this, but I wanted to make sure when looking at this, that when it says there's one body and one spirit, it doesn't just mean like team spirit, like we're all in this together, like just group communal spirit. No, like this is the Holy Spirit. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope. And why I find this important, Naomi, will you bring up that next passage I got there? Is when we look at Matthew, I think this is chapter 12, verse 30. This is Jesus. This is right after he gives the parable about the strong man being bound up in the house. Man, Margo's loving my preaching today. Last time I preached, she fell straight asleep. Uh, but this is Jesus right after talking about the strong man. And, and this is kind of an intense passage. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the son of man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Why is this important? Because Jesus is talking about sinning against the Spirit. And when we go back to our first passage, the main passage we're in today, oh yeah, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So I'm trying to bridge something for us here. Jesus has explicitly said, do not sin against the Spirit. Paul explicitly says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So when we start drawing these lines and start creating these subcultures of our Christian discipleship, where we, and don't get me wrong, there's some major theological issues that we should distance ourselves from. And there are certain people or movements that we should be distanced from. And healthy boundaries exist. I gotta be so clear on this. I'm not saying don't have boundaries. Really big on healthy boundaries really big on finding a tribe that you can relate with most theologically, spiritually, a community that you feel connected to and engaged in. I'm not saying those, those need to be priorities, but those can't be the reason why we don't pursue unity of the spirit and a bond of peace. I was even thinking about it while I was walking back down, uh, grabbing the laptop for stream today. Uh, I was thinking of a church I know of that I have some like significant disagreements with theologically, but they love Jesus. I think they've got some weird stuff biblically they need to work on. And I realized how many times have I committed this sin? The one Jesus talks about. You want to go back to that next, that next passage for me? About this sin. Blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. And when the spirit demands unity and a bond of peace, and I sow seeds of discord, I'm sinning against the Spirit. Like, I can't, I can't read these passages and find a way to navigate around that. I don't see it. Especially if it's not in a constructive manner. It's one thing to have your disagreements, have constructive conversations, debate them on a, on a respectful level, but respectfully lay different viewpoints on the table. 
and let, let them, let them lie and let them be there and then move on. If, if you can't come to an agreement or something like that, it's another thing to have never talked to anyone or um, about a movement behind their back without knowing them personally or about knowing everything that's gone on in their community and their expression. And then just decide that because I read some stuff on the internet and because I've heard of about a few weird stories that now all of a sudden they're not worth peace with. They're not worth this still didn't, this is still falling off my ear. It's all right. Um, they're not worth peace with and they're not worth unity with. That's a problem that's mostly about me and not really about them. They could have their issues. I'm not saying that they're void of, you know, theology or issues that need to be addressed. But if my posture is one of discord and it's one of tearing down reputation. Because when Paul, or sorry, when Jesus is talking about this, and so I tell you, every, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. He's not talking about like in a very literal sense. This is like the, po- the heart posture of a person. This isn't just like, you got to physically be, it, it's not like, oh, what's that? There's a movie. Oh, it's Star Wars. <laughs> it's in Star Wars, right? Star Wars, Anakin's fighting Obi-Wan Kenobi. Man, this would have been a great movie clip. I wish I thought like Kevin McVicker a little bit more here. I would have had this in the bag. But I think it's Anakin fighting Obi-Wan and Anakin's deciding that he's going to be the new leader of the Empire. And he looks at Obi-Wan and he says, if you're not with me, you're against me. In this like total fit of childish rage uh, that only Hayden Christensen could have acted as. Uh, Thanks for that. Appreciate it. Um, I'm really struggling here. I'm going to probably take this, Elliot, if that's okay. Are we still able to record? Never mind. I'll just use this. We got to be careful. Um, but anyway, yeah, so there, there's that whole quote, and Anakin's all angry and upset, and it says, if you're not with me, you're against me. That's not Jesus here. Like, just to be clear, like, that's not, no, it, it, he's talking about if the posture of your heart is not one towards the spirit, because may we remember God, the father, Jesus, the son, and the Holy spirit are three in one. They're all the same person. So it's Jesus saying the posture of unity and a bond of peace. If you're not postured like that, then you don't gather with me. And that's not to say, man, 2020, 2021 has really created this culture of if you don't agree with me, we are not on the same team. We did it in our politics. We do it on all of our justice issues. We do it on all of our moral issues. Like if you don't agree with every single one, you and I are opposing. Like you're not just like... You, it's not that we just disagree. You are my enemy now. And I, we've all seen it transpire. And whether we admit to it or not, we do it subconsciously because we then choose to distance ourselves from those that disagree with us. It's pretty, uh, it's very enlightening to how fallen we really are and how fractured we really are in this area. Okay, okay. So what's that have to do with, with us and everything like that? 
Well, I'm not saying that we necessarily have a bunch of people that are sitting on total opposite aisles here at our church, but I do think we have let some small things get in the way of us carrying a a true spirit of unity and, and, and a bond together. And I mentioned some of them, ageism, doing this whole personality type deal thing has kind of gotten in our way of doing this. So what am, I, what am I trying to get to here about this? I feel like I owe an explanation really quick. This is not to be like, oh man. I'm not trying to just make everyone upset or I'm not trying to annoy everyone or like intentionally, oh, that's the word, I can't even think of the word. But I, I will say this, we're not talking about this just so uh, I can get a ruse out of you. I, like this is really something that I see as a way for us to express and pave the way that we want to see the rest of the church look like. Like our best chance to be a part of the solution to a problem that I think we're all keenly aware of. Like I'm not ignorant. There are major issues with the large C church, especially in Western Westernized Christianity and Western church, major flaws, big issues in really big movements that represent a large majority of Christians in America and in Westernized culture altogether. I think everyone knows that. And I think everyone wants very desperately to either detach from it or find some different way to do it. The big question is how, because it seems like an insurmountable mountain. It doesn't seem like we can get over that hump and we probably won't in our lifetime. Like, to be totally honest, it's, it's taken hundreds of years to build it the way that it is right now. It's going to take hundreds more to get, it, get, get away from it. But I do think we have the responsibility in how I think it applies to us in our local context is we start paving the way in how we express it here. We have to identify, we have to be honest with ourselves and identify that there is an issue and a problem when it comes to this idea of a spirit of unity. We have to, frankly, here's a word we don't use a lot, repent of our participation in it. And repent is to turn the other way. We have to turn to a new way. So we have to repent of participating in the old way, not individually and as a church, and go in a new direction and say, we don't want to be a part of that, but it's not enough to just sit and be angry and complain and be frustrated. We have to be a part of paving a different way. And while we may not see the fruit of it, in our lifetime, we have to be a part of paving a way so that there is fruit from it later on. So what do I mean by this? I mean our local expression first. So that's why I'm talking about the, the age thing that seems to be an issue here and, and our, our attachment to personality and Myers-Briggs and love language and all this stuff that gives us almost like we think we have permission to therefore not be in relationship with people. And I'm not saying you got to be close friends and best friends with everybody. That's just not real. Like, that's not how it works. But to draw lines on people before we've even, like, tried is really tough, one. And two, to come up here and demand, not demand, but pray for, ask, and believe to have multi-ethnic and uh, multi-diverse representation in our church, but then we won't even diversify the types of people we'll be friends with who are in front of us right now is really tough. 
you're an Enneagram eight, but you won't be friends with somebody because they're a one, but then you want to make sure there's lots of different people who look different than you that come to your church. That's tough. That's going to be a tough sell. Or you won't be friends with somebody because they're 25 years older than you, so you won't go over for dinner. And I'm guilty of this. That's me. But then I pray for renewal and revival and whatever else in my church. And that reminds me of this quote. This has been something that's been really um, digging and pulling on my heart. I just finished this book called The Reset by Jeremy Riddle. Some of you may have heard of him. Um, He's a worship leader down at the Vineyard Church in Anaheim. And uh, this quote that he said that's in his book has really just been... um, tugging at me and really his whole book about this wholehearted pursuit, like everything rounding into form around discipleship to Jesus. And so he says this, I find much of the church hungers for revival, longs for a move of the spirit, wants to see heaven invade earth, wants to see the greater things break out, but simultaneously fails to yield their plans, agendas, or production to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And what's key here is that that's not just about churches. That's also about people. So they see very little. We are fond of crying out, Lord, do whatever you want to do tonight in our pre-service prayer times. But week after week, we keep choosing the consistency of our programs, proven set lists, and controlled outcomes over risking to follow his voice. Again, we do this as people. Week after week, we choose control instead of surrender. And yet we wonder why there is no power. Now, I I will say this, over the last year, two, maybe, two years or so, I have watched our church grow so much in connection, hospitality, togetherness, group vision, being a part of staff with Glenn, being a part of our kind of reformed leadership team that we've had. It's the most together of a group I've felt in the seven years I've been here. And it's the most together of a church I've felt in the seven years I've been here. I feel like we are building family and I feel like it's going in the right direction. But I think it's really key that we start from ground zero and build deep roots that are all that, that produce pure fruit. Does that make sense? So when we talk about wanting to pave a different way, it starts grassroots about who we're willing to go have dinner with, who we'll go have lunch with, who we're willing to go hang out with, who we'll go grab coffee with. It starts grassroots in just our one-on-one connections. And I also think it starts from a place of being willing to be held accountable by those next to us and by those who are with us. If you want to go back to the main passage, Naomi. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. The word one is used seven times in about two sentences. I don't do the numbers are significant thing. I'm just saying that's a lot of times. That's all I'm saying. I'm not going to, there's no spiritual hype around. I, I don't see spiritual hype around one being used seven times, but it's used a lot. That's a big deal. And why is that a big deal? It's this big, huge emphasis on we are all a part of one family of God trying to grow and become the family of God. One Lord, over all, through all, and 
in all. So when I throw around the word accountability, there's another taboo word now. No one wants to be held accountable for anything. I, when I see there is one body, one spirit, and you were called to one hope when you were called, and the verse preceding that is every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. I kind of see that as, you know, sometimes in love looks like reminding each other, hey, we're a part of the one same mission. We're serving the one same king. We've got one goal in mind. And while we might differ and disagree on certain things, we got to keep the main things the main things sometime. Otherwise, we can allow discord and division and uh, anger and frustration and all of these things and bitterness. Ooh, man. There was a time when you walked in here and it, it was, you could feel the weight of bitterness in the room. This was years ago, but you could feel it. And that's, thankfully, we don't really have that carrying around a lot more. But if we don't find ways to sow in seeds of accountability, sow in seeds of pursuing holiness together, then it's going to show up again. Our unity in the spirit starts with being humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. It starts with being willing to be corrected or to be willing to give a word of correction. And not in like a parental, I say correction, and I'm sure everyone immediately thinks of like parents and teachers and really bad pastoral experiences. <laughs> That's, yeah, it's really easy to go right there. That's not what I'm talking about though. I mean like the simple thing of when Brogan and Kyle have a conversation with me about something, or even better, uh, the last couple of weeks, I have guys night most every week with some of the, some of the guys here at church. And I realized that I just kind of flubbed it. I'd kind of like hijacked a couple conversations the last couple of weeks that ran us right up into when everybody left. And I didn't really make room for anyone to say anything. And because of a conversation that both my wife and Kyle have had with me in the past, I was able to hold myself accountable after being held accountable to this better idea. I need to make more room and be a better listener. And when I take over the conversation, I turn my listening ears off. And I'd realized over the course of two weeks, I'd kind of done that. And because I'd been held accountable and because I had been allowed room for it, I was able to hold myself accountable when I made the mistake. I send a text to all the guys and say, hey, you know what? This wasn't on purpose, but it's rude. And I'm really sorry about this. That doesn't happen unless we're in the context of relationship and it doesn't happen unless we're willing to have people sometimes be like, Hey, like we know this is kind of how you are. Despite your personality, there are some things like, you know, I'm a, I'm an Enneagram eight Steph. Yeah. I'm so I can be pretty confrontational, which means if I get really into a topic, I can really debate it like really, really go. And despite that, you know what? That actually doesn't give me permission to just override conversations. I know, shocking, right? The power is in the discipline to know to not, which only happens when some people are willing to say, hey, I love this about your personality. There are times where this is super awesome. There are times where this makes it really challenging. And I think we have room, maybe, maybe, to spread our wings a little bit 
and take a little bit of risk in our relationships, a little bit of risk in who we spend time with, so that we can build a deeper sense of a spirit of unity or build the unity of the spirit, not just among one another, but in doing so, we create and demonstrate a fragrance or an essence of Jesus that the world desperately needs to see from a church. Again, we can't control what happens in Big C Church a whole lot. Like, I don't think anyone here has the ability. I mean, Glenn runs an entire Central Latin American missions thing, and I'm not sure he's got it. It's really close. But we can, we are a part of what we're doing here. And the essence and fragrance we create for Tigard and the neighborhoods around us can be one that says, these people are really really going after God together for the betterment of each other, the betterment of the city. And they really want to see people and the communities flourish. And that starts with their willingness to be held accountable, to do things the right way, even when it's hard. It starts with their ability to stay together when their going gets rough, to be have, have honest, hard conversations when it's uncomfortable. They're able, they, they express love to the people that don't look like them, don't sound like them, or maybe just older than them, because that's really all we have here is just people who are older than us or younger, like me, um, or Margo. But I think this is our, we have an opportunity and it's great. Again, coming, I, I joked about it earlier about being able to, you know, um, refresh some things like have a real five minute coffee break. That's only five minutes and you know, stuff like that. One of the nice things coming out of COVID too, though, is we get a fresh chance to kind of like do community again. We all know the, the absent feeling of not being together now. And so now we kind of get this fresh chance and start to care a little deeper because we know what it's like to not have it anymore. We've been, we've been robbed of it. So now we know the value of it. So I'll leave with these. I'll finish with these last two points. Steph and Steve, if you guys want to come up, I almost forgot to call the worship team up, but I got it just in time. These are my last two points. Naomi, I think I got a slide for this. This is where I think this, these are our, our opportunities. I'm not even, I, I want to be so clear. I don't think, I don't think we're bad at this or that we're like bad people. If anything, I'm probably the chief culprit of most of these. So like, maybe I'm just preaching to myself. And if that's the case, that's fine with me. You guys are just gracious enough to give me 30 or 40 minutes. Glenn's kind enough to give me 40 minutes to preach to myself in front of people. Um, but I think these are our areas that we, we can see some opportunity in is pursuing a life of holiness, accountability, and pursuit of, of the Lord. That's just like a really short version of what I just tried to say in the last five, t- five, 10 minutes. Uh, second one is we are doing our part within our church expression that honors unity of the spirit and paves a different way than what we've seen. And it demonstrates that we live as Paul writes in his, in his passage, one body, one spirit with one hope, one Lord, one faith in one baptism, one God and father of all and in all and through all. I think the spirit, the unity of the spirit is essential to, cre- to showing and demonstrating a different essence 
that right now the church does not give, not our, the big C church does not give to the world. And not that we do tribalism and play on teams, you know, because they're a Christian, that means I agree with them. No, 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 no. That's, that's not healthy. Being willing to go through the hard process of saying, I disagree with them, but I'm going to persevere, persist, suffer through that word bearing, right? That's right, right at the beginning of our passage. I'm going to suffer through and persist and work through the differences that are really big, really hurtful, really sinful. But the sin that Jesus talks about isn't one about the sin against the son of man. He says sins against the son of man can be forgiven. It's the sin against the spirit. That's the one you got to watch out for. So we can forgive the sins of and work through and work towards forgiving the sins within our church body. But when we start to forsake and posture ourselves in a place of bitterness and disassociation and unwillingness to be next to you, now we're sinning against the spirit. And now we're, we're sinning against the unity of the spirit that Paul so, so diligently encourages us to pursue. And again, for us, that starts right here in our body. We don't have a lot of say on what happens in so many churches, but we can create and show a fragrance and an essence here for our city. And that's where we can start. That's where we have our chance. We can say when somebody asks us about church stuff, I know there's some stuff that's brutal and it's not good. And there are things that need to be worked through there. But if you, if you visit us here, if you, you, you find a safe place at Cascade. These are people who are for real about caring about one another and they're for real about caring about those who don't have a place to go or who don't feel safe in church. You know, that's kind of the idea. So I'll pray and we'll worship. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Casket Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give. We'll see you next week.